Welcome to Save It For The Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Pat Cusick, alongside my co-host, John Doyle. How's it going, everyone? And Mark Cacuzzo. Hello to all our faithful followers and to my two fellow fearless co-hosts, hello. Hello, Mark. It is episode 58. We are recording live on Wednesday, April 6th, a couple days early, um, which I think is good because it lets us cover the National Championship just happened and get some Masters stuff in. Uh, I will be away this weekend for one of our dedicated listener, Brandon Mealy's wedding, so that'll be fun in South Carolina. A um, lot to cover this week, boys. How's everybody doing? Ready to rock? Ready Fucking to rock. A. Fire it up. Good. We've got plenty of stuff in three big questions. We have the Masters, we've got the NCAA Tournament Final, got some NBA stuff. Anything else people wanted to touch on? There was a big trade for the Patriots. We kind of bemoaned some stuff. I think we'll probably do a Patriots reset closer to the draft, but maybe we want to mention the uh, Devontae Parker trade. I, I'll just say one thing. I like the Parker trade because... This means we don't have to necessarily rely on the draft to get a receiver or a skill position player, which Bill is terrible at. Let's say what it was. Um, the Patriots traded a third-round pick for Devontae Parker yep, pick. to the Dolphins for Devontae Parker and a fifth-round pick, which I thought was a pretty good deal. I thought it was a great deal, John. Yeah, yeah I mean, it doesn't – I mean, it's certainly – we've talked a lot on this podcast in previous episodes about how they have swung and missed on the wide receiving group, the wide receiver group in this on this team. So, you know, I, I, I have a, a, like tempered my expectations a little bit because I've also seen some wide receivers that were veterans come in here that I thought were going to fit in well who haven't. But it's a new, it's a new year. We got a, a, a fresh, you know, a, a quarterback entering his second year. Maybe this is a great move. And, I mean, the price is right. So I think is. the price thing is a great point, John. Devontae Parker is certainly not in the caliber of – league of Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill, but the money gap between what he's getting as a pretty damn good player and some of these contracts, wide receivers are getting quarterback money now. Like is, is Amari Cooper necessarily a lot better than Devontae Parker? Yeah, he's better, but not by leaps and bounds. I think saying. Parker's issue might be, um, obviously, his health mm. hasn't really come through, but but a lot of wide receivers are making huge money. Amari Cooper, like Mark mentioned, is $20 million a year. Um, Diggs just signed something similar this week as well, right? Yeah, and, and um, uh, three, four years for a hundred million. Right, uh, just recently like extension, that? four years of yeah. And then Tyreek Hill obviously has the biggest contract in receiver history. Is that right? Guaranteed money. Might him and him and him and Devontae Adams are up there, right. but you know the cap hit for Devontae Parker is only six million this year and six million next. Yeah, versus you know a twenty million dollar cap hit for. Or I guess it's twenty million cash. I think the cap it's lower for Cooper, but you know he gets twenty million, and the other guys are making huge money. So to get a guy in the cheap is nice to see, and that's what the Patriots need. I actually do want to say, Mark, I slightly disagree with um, with what you said in that we means we don't have to take a wide receiver. I still feel like the Patriots should be looking wide receiver in the draft. I know we're going to talk more about the draft later, but I hope they don't view this move for Parker as. Wow, everything's set now. We've got Devontae Parker with, you know, whoever I, we have, what, and everything's good. Pat, what yeah. I mean by that is that if the Panthers are still sitting there at 21, draft the best player available. So don't reach for a receiver is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think— Because they, they have a lot of holes. Sorry, John. Well, no, I mean, go get who—yeah, get go get who you like. I think that wide receiver is still a position of need. 
for them, especially with a with Mac Jones entering his second year. So I wouldn't hate them. I wouldn't hate them taking an early flyer on a wide receiver that they love. And I think, but what I think it gives you a little bit of leeway to let the rookie receiver also develop. Yeah. If Devontae Parker is a is a solid veteran addition to the um, wide receiver core. Yeah. So you've sort of. I mean, there's no one way to. There's more than one way to 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 carve this thing up if you're trying to find production from the wide receiver position. So, help yourself to a wide receiver if he's there, like you say, Mark, and also get a veteran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't can't hurt. No, I agree. Um, I, I I think we'll we'll obviously do a little more on that as we get closer to the draft because I think it'll be interesting to take a look at some of the options the Patriots have. Anything yeah. else people wanted to touch on? What else we got going on this week? Isn't it a bummer the Sox already had their first two games canceled? Yes. It's a complete buzzer, bummer, and it's a complete... It's, it's this season so far, in a nutshell. <laughs> already, like... It, oh, it's yeah, the least surprising news all day. You're jacked up for opening day tomorrow, folks. Like, no, actually, not tomorrow, not Friday. Go fuck uh, yourself. You my can... buddy Brian, friend of the cast, he and his buddies planned the whole day around going to golf, <laughs> and then... Or, or I forget what, what, the, what the hell they were doing. But anyways, it was built around going to some bar and watching the Red Sox play. The oh, Yankees. dear Lord, man. He took the day off and everything. Ah, uh, classic. <laughs> that, and that's just the way it goes. We've talked about this before, I think. But, man, do I not like starting baseball early in April. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's the weather's garbage here. Yeah, couldn't that strike have held out for yeah. another 60 days? <laughs> I don't want to I don't I don't get up too much on the rails, but can you imagine, like, being born and raised on the West Coast? West Coast. Outside of like the occasional forest fire, like your plans are never being spoiled by the weather. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Imagine moving to the Northeast and it's like, what? This isn't happening because it's shitty out. Like this yeah. is bullshit. How do you guys live like this? It is true. <laughs> Though I, I think I'll take some rain here and there over earthquakes, and forest fires. So you know, I don't. No way, man! At least I think they're going to my Dodgers game. Yeah, I know That's they don't true. get them a lot, but still. <laughs> get me a Dodger dog. <laughs> It is depressing, just like never being sure. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, even stupid shit. Uh, like in your like tiny little personal life of like, oh, like we had like I, I was back. I had to go back to my office uh, two days this week, and it's like, oh, it's gonna be beautiful out. And then like it changes to rain, and it's like, oh, sorry. Like the outdoor event we had planned has been moved inside to the conference room, and you're like, great. <laughs> today to ride to to, to the podcast. I was like, I got all the time in the world. Maybe I can ride my bike there. What's the weather looks like? Save my money on a, on a fucking Uber. It's supposed to be torrential downpour, yeah. miserable sideways rain, <laughs> fucking eating sixty bucks in Ubers because of fucking inflation, yeah. and gas prices. Did anybody else like think that their parents were like, like super, like I can't believe how much my parents used to talk about the weather. Like, well, I see what's gonna happen on Thursday or Friday. Now it's like you have no choice. Now that I'm an adult, I realize that I have to look at the weather every day because it also, this time of year, changes so fucking quickly. I know, and it just ruins things that you want to do badly. It's like, it. this is a tough period, too, because you get tempted by how great some of the weather can be. We had some great weather this weekend. Yeah. And it's like, oh, actually, it's going to rain for four straight days and just suck ass. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we will look forward to the Sox season starting at some point in the near future. Who's to say when? Um, um, Chris, to the- well, Chris Sale, we should mention that he's officially on the 60-day DL. They uh, announced that, so we'll see who comes back first, him or James Paxton, right? I mean, the, the Red Sox are off to a piss-poor start. Um, it's, t- it's tough because I feel like this sort of happened last year. I was like, I'm very, trying to get excited for the season, and then everything that could go wrong just went wrong like the first three weeks of the year, so... Seems like more of the same. I'd rather have 
Chris Sale, the last 60 days on the first 60, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I guess that's, that's true. baseball 101 right that's there. That's true. I'll tell you that one for free. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I, I got to. I know we won a World Series with Chris Sale. I can't say I've really enjoyed his time with the Sox overall, though. I would say his tenure is very much on par with Josh Beckett's. Yeah, Got us a title, so I guess it worked out. At least Josh Beckett was incredible in the playoffs. He was an all-time dickhead, just like in Sale seems that to be that as well. But Chris Sale is is sort of been a non-entity in big games, besides the fact he happened to be on the mound in the World Series, right? Yeah. I just... I don't know. I agree. I haven't enjoyed the te- his, his tenure here. Maybe we're just getting older. We don't care as much about, like, I don't know. His yeah. accomplishments seem not great. No, I would agree. It's It's been a little underwhelming. But, oh, well. Um, we'll talk more about the Sox in the coming in the coming weeks. We hope we get off to a good start to the year at some point. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with three big questions. Welcome back to Save It for the Podcast. Uh, in our first segment of the week, three big questions. We, ha- we uh, have some interesting ones on here this week. We have to start with a recap of the NCAA tournament. We Since we last podcasted, we had the final four games, and then we had the national championship, which just took place on Monday night between Kansas and UNC. It was a weekend of four blue bloods going at each other's throats. Uh, Kansas, the only number one seed left, ended up storming back in the second half against UNC and uh, taking the championship. Uh, what did you guys think of the the actual the national championship itself? And what what's like? What, what would you say? What kind of taste did the tournament leave in your mouth this year? Because I feel like there's a couple different. I, I, I it was very divisive. I think. It was a fun tournament. I think the end... Well, I'd say this. I very much enjoyed the tournament for the most part. I wasn't a fan of any of the teams left in the Final Four, but I do think we got a great moment of everyone getting a root against Coach K. An all-time moment. That was a very unifying moment. moment. Yeah, Boz all around outside of Durham, you know, and around the North... Excuse me, around the Duke campus. Everybody was rooting against Duke. So unified against them... Just a, online, a unified front of everybody wanting to see Coach K lose. And we got that. So that'll be the enduring moment. It won't be Kansas winning. It'll be that to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, hey, UNC is an, is an all-time, you know, a top-five program. Mm-hmm. This is still a maybe one of their best wins in the tournament ever, even though they fall short. In the national championship game, don't you think? To get to send Coach K pack, and I'm sure yeah. that means a lot. There's a very interesting way to look at the at the uh, tournament, right? For one instance, you blew a 15-point lead at halftime. <laughs> but another way, you, you you crushed the rival head coach, Patriarch, who is just the most uns- insufferable man of all time. He's been the boogeyman there since the 80s. Uh, he's been UNC's boogeyman, and they, with a first-year head coach who seems like the exact polar opposite of Coach K, they ruined his final home game in the regular season and smacked him around and then got to draw them draw him again in the final four at his last chance for a national championship and stuff him in the trash and stuff him in the bin again i mean you gotta be sort of i mean it's a it's a consolation prize for sure but it's not a terrible one no i wonder if you asked unc fans before the season would they you lose in the championship game but you eliminate coach k from the tournament would they have been willing to take that 
Because obviously the end goal is winning a title, but there's no guarantee you're ever going to do that. It's incredibly, incredibly hard. Yeah. And I don't think most people went into this year thinking North Carolina is title frontrunners or anything. So would they have taken the idea of, like, you do lose the national championship, but you vanquish Coach K, you drive the stake in his hat. It's like, it like a quasi-Chuck Klossman question. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little bit, yeah. You know I, think, gonna... I, was gonna, I was about to make some caveats, like, well, how did we lose the championship game? You know I mean, because I do think as a UNC fan, I think you do ultimately take it, although it does suck to be so close to winning the whole thing and then blowing it at the it end. It does, because they don't remember losing that game when they had such a great chance to win. I think they, they looked like a better team for a good period of it, a much better team, and, and that'll hang with them. But hopefully they'll be able to take that victory over Coach K and stick with him. Because I know that's what I'll remember most from this. It won't be anything else. It will be, you know, if Coach K was finally finished off and he was done by his Year, ultimate Patrick, final. years from now, people are going to think that that was the national championship game. And UNC won it on that. Why not think that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? there is a, there's always a little of that revisionist history when you try to remember these great moments and... You know, there's a national champion every single year. It doesn't yeah. mean it's not incredibly important. It is. And those kids at Kansas remember, and it's obviously a big part of Bill Self's legacy, but Coach K was only going to be knocked out for one final time one once, right? You know, yeah. the most storied coach in NCAA history, did all these bullshit about him, blah, 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 blah. We've heard it to the ends of the earth. And, you know, to have that game be against his ultimate rival and have it be that close and that good of a game and finally they lose I, that was terrific it's a, it's a it's a really it's a good point because uh, again like if you're a UNC fan the needle is pointing up like straight up in the air now right because you don't have to contend with him anymore and you just made the national championship yep. game as an 8 seed you know it was a great year all things considered what Absolutely. an incredible year for that program so i i think you're right i think if somebody like gunned to my head was like what what was this uh, tournament about say geesh it was it was unc as the eight seed and manic and those guys coming down and crushing coach case uh legacy you know trying to trying to i love to know how much big is great money advertising money duke and uh, coach k lost out on by losing that national championship did um uh, I, I have to say i saw some funny stuff on twitter about uh, the night of that game it was what's gonna be they, they had the picture of coach k and it was like what is your favorite coach game K moment, and as soon as UNC won the game, like everybody's like this one right yeah, now, hundred percent. Oh, so no good. question. Ninety nine percent of people, unless you're a Duke fan, <laughs> was a Kansas was a really great team. I guess they just are sort of forgettable from a storyline standpoint. They were the only one seed left in the Final Four, and sort of just took care of business. Yeah, I, I, I hey, it was a great win by Kansas. I, I said heading into the Final Four, I thought they were by far the most complete team yeah and i was impressed by them um it, it was a good win by kansas it was a fun game it wasn't a great game for the first half but well played towards the end and some great drama there yeah i felt bad for the big kid from unc baycott he hurts his ankle again with like 30 seconds to go in the game he can't be out there just brutal. So the fucking uh, floorboard gave way on him. Did you see that? They like slowed it down. No, I didn't Whoa. see that. Just, just like un- unacceptable in a game of that magnitude to like <laughs> yeah. you know not Who's have a big floor. Who's our floorboard guy? Yeah, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention our save for the podcast bracket. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I came in second. I had North Carolina winning the whole thing just by dumb luck. Um, I also picked a bunch of random upsets that all hit, uh, and now I'm a bracket guru. 
I will stick by. You didn't win though. No, I did. I lost. Well, which well, I'll give you the grand finale of who did win. But I'll just say this last thing. I do stand by. These are these are my two uh, tips for next year's March Madness bracket, and I say it for the podcast bracket. Pick a handful of upsets, and then pick one team that has a big name that's maybe not a, like a two or three seed or one or two or three seed. Go with that. And that's a great tip. And I will once again reiterate, Mark, that you don't get to do a podcast about sports and pick randomly and have that be your intel. Well, as lovely as it is that that's what you did, it would be great if, you know, let's you see. watch the games. Well, men lie, numbers lie. Also, you um, came I'm in a right. very distant third. You finished with 108 anyway, so points. Who, who, yeah, gentlemen, who did win our uh, bracket this year? In the year? drum roll, the winner goes to our main man, Greg Chugs for Bones Palermo, coming in first, had Kansas all the way. Um... Congrats to Chugs for Bones. We'll have him on the cast for sure. Uh, we'll get him some merchandise. We'll have to make sure it's a Friday night because we're gonna definitely going to be doing some chugging. Yep. No doubt about that. We'll get to toss a couple back. But yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get Greg on. I know he, he's a dedicated listener and loves the cast, so it'll be fun to have him on. Can't I, wait, I, Greg. I, my my guess is his approach is very similar to yours, Mark, and that he is doing a lot of random picking. Um, but I bet you he chugged after every one of his selections, <laughs> which I can't say I did. Well, it'll be great to have you on, Greg. Uh, don't forget to bring my vitamin C hat uh, <laughs> from the brewery. Um, haven't seen you in a bit. It'll be great. We'll have to we'll have to curate the questions just for you. Maybe we'll do some wrestling stuff. You can t- oh, tell yeah, us he, about the NHL playoffs. Yeah, there we go. That'll actually be great to have Greg on because we do need some. <laughs> the NHL playoffs will be starting, and he's the only guy I know who is a well, not maybe not the only one, but the biggest hockey fan I know. So Greg can catch us up on... Maybe on we can touch sports. on uh, Steve, Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin's appearance at WrestleMania. Yeah, I'd be like down to talk to that. I watched that. It was great. Uh, well, Greg, we'll look forward to putting you on the sca- on the calendar as soon as we can here. Um, and, and yeah, so there was a, it was a good tournament. I'm bummed that college is over. Uh, can't wait for next season. Um, yeah. Question two... Uh, rarely talked about on this podcast, but the event is big enough that we have to we have to uh, dive into it this week. It's officially Masters Week, Woo-hoo. and there seems to be uh, I would say a, a a bit more buzz this year for the Masters than in the last few previously because of Tiger. So Tiger is back uh, after basically telling the world that he wasn't sure when he was going to play again. And the buzz around Augusta is real, and folks are excited to have him back in the tournament. I think it does wonders for the the ratings. Yep. Um, well, how would you guys qualify your excitement for the tournament this year? I love the Masters. I always am, am interested. In it. I think one of the good things, you know, twenty twenty was delayed to November. I think that year because of the pandemic. Last year. They had spectators, but not much. A lot of the kind of theatrics around it had been canceled. They didn't do the par three course, and it was sort of a the pageantry was. Yeah, missing. Mark, we know you love pageantry. I was going to touch on that. When I was, <laughs> All right, when we'll was let you turn, touch on so. it then. But yeah, so I'm really excited. I, I've I always, you know, what I love about the Masters, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's one of those tournaments where. Sort of like the NCAA tournament in some ways. A lot of people are just doing pools. Mm-hmm. You get in on a lot of different stuff. And it's like, oh, we're doing a Masters thing. You pick four golfers or you got this salary cap or whatever. And it's a very fun way to get engaged in something you might not always pay as much attention to. So I do a couple with my dad every year. 
always have fun with it. So I'm looking forward to uh, the Masters. And Tiger obviously kind of raises that. I think everybody... I've never, like, I used to never really root for Tiger because I always kind of like to root for the underdog. But it's hard not to just be cheering for him here. Kind of is the underdog now, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's a tradition unlike any other. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, God. But I do think think the Masters uh, is very cool. It's great to have in the background when you're drinking. And you don't have to always pay attention to it. But you're always going to have that guy, whether it's Brooks Kepka or, you know, Bubba Watson, whoever. So, yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy that Masters weekend for sure. And you obviously got to pull for Tiger. Anytime he's involved, it's relevant. It's a relevant tournament, so I'm excited. Well, Tiger has that sort of. We talk about this when we when we cover UFC fights uh, or cards and boxing matches, right? He sort of brings in the casual fan. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you can tell even by the the coverage on ESPN already. I mean, they're already on Tiger Watch. You get up. I was I was up early this morning, and they're, they're checking in on him. You know, doing his pro am round. You know, just to see how he looks because he's yep. just he's he's sort of a uh, golf folk hero, cult hero, and then uh, you know he's just such a big draw. It's hard not to be a little bit more interested in it as a casual fan. And it is. It's. It, I'll say this: it'll be easier to root for him on the ba- on the back nine, uh, pun intended, of his career after the yeah. injury because he's not the favorite. Um, but yeah, I'd be. I'll, I'll be. I'll be watching more this year. I'm going to try to watch uh, as much of the majors as I can this year, and this is a great way to uh, kick off the, the season for me, I think. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I, I love – I got a few people I always root for in every tournament, but I, I, I'm always um, – the Masters, I think, is kind of the best of the bunch, but I, it'll be it'll be really fun to have this back, and it's kind of its full glory. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost an unparalleled uh, uh, weekend for betting. Yeah, uh, if if that's your if that's your deal, you have all these long odds. Uh, every, everyone's essentially really va- like there's a lot of value in almost the entire board, um, and so you can you can pick a few guys, follow it casually in the background, and and make a weekend out of it. Yeah, you take some of these people at plus five thousand, plus that six fifty, or I, plus six thousand five hundred, and you're like, okay, why not? I'll give you three that I chose. Okay. Because I, I wanted to add something tangible to this. I love topic. that. What do you got? I don't. I couldn't find the odds for Tiger making the cut, but I would hammer that for starters. Plus one twenty. Plus one twenty. Yeah. And then how about Tiger plus five thousand to win the whole fucking thing, or my man Rory, who everyone is kind of sleeping on, plus two thousand. So I'm glad you said the Tiger uh, to win the tournament, Mark, because I was reading uh, earlier this week that it's like the biggest Vegas liability so far this year because the public loves Tiger. But obviously those odds are huge. Yeah. So if you were to win, Vegas would get killed because they would have to pay out a ton of money. That'd be sweet. Now that's a good one. What about you, Patty? I always take Paul Casey. He's plus 6,500 to win. So I'll take Paul Casey as I usually do. When I look at the rest of the odds, I like to take longer shots because I think I love Cameron Smith this year. I've used him in a lot of my pools, and I think he has a really good chance to win. He's only plus 1,500. Which is like I don't know that there's any good value on that. Anybody who's less than plus two thousand. So, oh, besides that, I'm gonna take Will Zalatoris. He 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 was really good there last year. He's he's a very very good player. Um, he's plus three thousand two hundred to plus three thousand five hundred, depending upon um, you know where you get him or what your what book you have. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's got a real chance. I think he. I want to say he. Came in second last year. Um, 
but he he's just a good player who's who's in a, a kind of a good groove to me. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I always look because. I've seen a lot of people saying they want to take Scotty Scheffler, which makes a lot of sense. He's playing great golf. He's ranked number one in the world. But he's still plus 1,500. It's like, do you really get a ton of value out of that? Well, that's it. It's like, and if you're if you're a just a better and you're looking at it, you're like, wow, that's incredible value. But for these tournaments, it's really sort of short value, right? So it's an interesting thing. I was reading this week... Uh, and I hope I, I, I recall this correctly. I believe in the, la- the last five Masters, no one at shorter than 3,500 odds has won it. So all have been, um, been, uh, all been longer shots than 3,500. Yeah, I wonder what Matsuyama was last year because he's plus 4,400 this year, which normally I wouldn't mind doing because, you know, you're taking a former champion. I think one thing I always look at in the Masters and the smarter people than I have told me this and it's, it's helped shape how I do my stuff is you want to find guys that have already had success at Augusta. It's very yeah. rare to find somebody who has gone there and only who's played badly or rarely ever played there. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like one where a newcomer can just come in and light it up. Yeah. Uh, so Matsuyama would generally be on my list but I don't think he's playing particularly great golf right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one article I read was talking about this too. The uh, Will Zalatoris, that plus 35, is a rare case of someone who last year, it was his first year, and played incredibly well. Yeah, solo second. I was right. I double-checked that. He was solo second last year, which is very strange. But it's good for this year, right? You're feeling like, wow, he's maybe got he a record. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and maybe he just knows the course well. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Masters. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's it's hard to, and maybe this isn't good value, but uh, you know why not take a flyer at on Jordan Spieth at twenty two hundred, a guy who's won it before multiple times, finished he's finished top three multiple times, um, and won it before. I mean, talk about somebody who knows the course and is playing well. I know he's a, sort of a boring pick, but I got him in one of my pools. I like I like um, Spieth this week. Well, it should be interesting. I'm going to be... Who's, is Tiger the oldest guy in the tournament? No. no they, the Masters, a lot of old Masters champions will play in it. So you'll have a guy like Sandy Lyle plays, who's absolutely fucking horrible. <laughs> what are his odds? Oh, he's got to be the worst. Sandy Lyles? That's his yeah. name? Sandy Lyle. I'm sure he's got that's the longest that's odds that's of anybody. He's got to be plus 10,000. Yeah. Oh, God, I needed that. Miles. Yeah, he's I mean, plus ten thousand, along with all the other goofballs that are in there. I mean, Freddie Couples plays, Larry Miles. These guys are just trying to get their steps in. I love my, my grandfather. R.I.P. Loved Freddie Couples. My father loves Fred Couples, and he actually has done okay, in, like in these later <laughs> stage masters. Um, but I wouldn't be putting my money on. Uh, he didn't make the cut. Oh, Freddie ball but, game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be putting my money on Freddie if he makes the cut. That would be a pretty big upset. You heard it here first, folks. Fade couples. Why could you get him and Sandy Lyle parlay to miss the cut? I don't know that that's gonna be enough to. to Is that get a thing? You. Can you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine suggest all, the imagine, imagine if you could make a berry bet all these old fucks and I'll make the cut. Yeah, make a shit of money. You can have one fucking weasel who sneaks in and you yeah. just lose your shirt on it. Oh, that'd be great. Well, hey, let's hope for a uh, fun weekend of golf. Um, really looking forward to it this year. And the, and the rest of the tournament's coming up down the road this summer. That should be fun. Um, yeah. Moving on to, uh, speaking of tournaments that are going to happen this summer, 
Question three, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be out of the NBA playoffs. <laughs> officially eliminated before the final games of the season. Um, tough look for the Lake Show. As a Celtics fan, this is almost as satisfying as seeing Coach K lose his last game ever. Oh, it's very, very satisfying. It's sort of, it reminds me uh, of last year at the towards the end of the baseball season where we said, would you... How would you feel, like, as long as you beat the Yankees, are you okay with the Red Sox getting torched? And we all said yes. Yep. Uh, no the, question. The Lakers fit nicely right into that same mindset. So, where does that... <laughs> I like the way that this is posited on the on the run sheet. Where does this rank on the list of most disappointing teams in sports history? <laughs> For the 2021-22 Lakers. Patrick clearly runs writes the run sheet. <laughs> Sometimes, like I, sometimes, like if I if I'm looking at it, I'll be like, I know exactly what we're gonna talk about, and then I'll read it like more closely, and I'm like, this is such a harsh way to phrase it. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's gotta be up there as one of the all time worst. It's almost on par with the Lakers experiment with Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, and Kobe Bryant. People forget about that because Steve Nash maybe was on his back nine, but Dwight Howard was very much still in his prime. And so was Kobe, and it just did not fucking work out. I mean, oh, forget me, Kobe was kind of past his prime, I guess, at that point. No, I mean, they, they, were, they were still, they were older, but that Lakers team still should have been pretty good. And they did go 45 and 37. Okay, so they did they, okay. They made the playoffs. Yeah, you know, right. They lost, this in, the, team, this they lost team, in the first round, but they had injuries. That, they made the playoffs. They won eight. Like, point, eight right, point made, point made. Yeah. Good, go ahead. So I can't think of anything as disappointing as this much fucking talent on paper being this bad. I've had a hard time coming up with anything either. I, I was trying to search through most disappointing like NFL seasons. A lot of what I kept seeing was teams that like blew it in the playoffs. You know, a great regular season and then choked it, which I don't really view as. I think the it's same also well. it's also tough to compare intro sports, don't you think? Well, what about the the year that the Celtics brought in Hayward and we were on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the Who's. Like, look at, like, who's, like, going to stop this lineup Well, the first year they had Hayward, though, they made the Eastern Conference Finals and lost in seven games. Yeah. So and Hayward like, shattered his ankle. The first year was, the was bad. It's the second year with the cover of him got, and Kyrie. And, yeah, uh, where they they got creamed by the Bucks. Um, I saw some people saying that the Padres from last year. That's nowhere near I that. agree. They obviously were a good team, but they were not, like, a top, top Team, I don't think. I think everyone knew they were in a very tough division. They had very good players, but that was it. There was a few seasons ago when the Philadelphia Eagles stocked up. It was the year when the dream team year. Mike, uh, the not, dream team. Um, Steve, um, Jesus, I'm sorry. The Vince Young was the backup quarterback to Michael Vick. Said this is a dream team, and I actually don't even remember who they added to that team. But I remember they had a lot of guys in the season, that, and it did not work out. It was out. 2011 when the Eagles were supposed to be the dream team, and they were not a good team. Right. I remember the Patriots played that season. They went 8-8, and, and they didn't make the playoffs. What about that? The, the, the horrible U.S. Olympic basketball team? 2004 U.S. Olympic basketball team was probably number one on my list. Yeah. That's the year we they... We can go with that, probably. Um, that's the year that they just... They, they had LeBron, Wade, Carmelo Anthony. Because that team on paper was so fucking good. Oh, they were incredible. And they lost to freaking Puerto Rico, Lithuania, and Argentina and won a bronze medal. That's worse. Yeah, that's... I think that is worse. I say, we, I say we say that's number one. That's number one. But this Lakers season is a close second because... <laughs> At least the those teams could have the argument of like they didn't play together, or, you know, they just nobody they didn't know anything, they just threw everybody out there, the coach wasn't any, this this Lakers team 
And I, I, one thing I want, I think we need to call everybody to the mat who claim the Lakers are going to be the best team in the NBA. I will say this podcast may not get many things right. We said in the preseason predictions the Lakers, that trade was terrible and that they were not going to have a great season. Now we do not obviously predict them to be the worst team in the league. <laughs> or not, they're not the worst yeah, team in the league. But they're one horrible. of the worst teams they, in the league. They're eighth worst team in the league. No one predicted that. But I, I along with you both, said they were not going to, we were dot, it was not a good trade. And we were not super impressed with it. Mm. Kendrick Perkins, our old pal. I mean, there's a bunch of people I could have made losers the week. They, he did a segment preseason. He said, Perk thinks the Lakers could approach 70 wins this year. Oh. 70 wins! <laughs> they could win 70 games! Oh, no. 70 fucking games! The Lakers are going to win 70 games, according to Perk. He also said they're the greatest big three of all time. Ben, did you want to rattle off all these other games? You said you had a few I, other ones. A few of them. Um, let's see. We got Nick Wright predicted Lakers win the title. No problem. Beat the Bucks. That's a nice, easy win. Jason McIntyre, from another clown from Fox Sports. With Russell Westbrook, the Lakers are going to wreck the league. They will dominate the West. <laughs> uh, let's see. LZ Granderson. Man, I cannot wait for the Lakers to win the chips so all these corny-ass old jokes come to an end. ESPN predicted the Lakers go 53-29 and 29 this oh. year. Uh, Bleacher Report. While L.A. may not snag the West numbers, number one seed, the Lakers will rest their players when they were needed and not fear any Game 7 on opponents' home floor. This looks like the team to beat in the conference, if not the entire league. Oh. A best-case scenario is the Lakers rolling to another championship without seriously sweating more than one or two playoff series. And it went on and on and on. I could list a thousand more, but I'll leave it there. Let's just say anybody who said that stuff is a fucking moron because they did. They just they saw Russell Westbrook and were like, "Well, he is look. He used to get a lot of trouble with levels." This podcast is not exactly filled with geniuses, and we were able to spot that that wasn't going to work. As were many other people. I will say there were other people who who. Noticed that the, who said this is a bad deal? This doesn't make yeah, any I sense. I think that you said that you think this is the worst trade of all time. The great Laker Magic Johnson backs up your point, claiming that if they did not trade for Russell Westbrook, they would have oh forgive me, they would trade for Demar Rose and they would have had enough cap space to save Caruso. Yep. Um, add Buddy Heald. They would have traded for Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald. Yeah. You think of that? And that's a cast. Let's say you you're assuming that like maybe somehow Anthony Davis is healthy, or even if he isn't, you still have a healthy LeBron with those cast of characters. That's a fucking good squad right there. Adding with Carmelo Anthony, who's been a good role player. Pretty nice of uh, Magic to say. I know, those right? Things, you imagine he's Larry Bird's exact. You know. imagine Larry Bird just spilling the beans like that on the Pacers, or, or you know, uh, if we add him for the Celtics, you know. I don't trust anything that guy says, but that is... But guys, the real fun thing to discuss... Sorry, John. You no, guys. no, no. That's uh, What do you have to say? So I was going to say, what uh, you? I guess you're going to ask, what do you think the Lakers should do from here? Hmm. I think they should strongly consider trading all of their guys, meaning LeBron, Anthony Davis. You probably can't trade Westbrook until mid-February next year or whatever. I, I mean, I, I would not... I, I, don't, I don't disagree, I guess, with what you're saying. In some ways, what, what should they do? I think... Getting rid of Westbrook has to be priority number one. Unfortunately for the Lakers, they don't have a whole lot they can do to get rid of him. It, he's obviously a big expiring contract, but you're going to have to attach first-round picks to Russell Westbrook to get rid of him. They really only have... Their next pick they can trade is the 2027 first-round pick. Uh, that ain't anytime soon. They don't have any of their picks. 
So they're in a lot of trouble. Now, maybe you just attach that to him and dump him somewhere because he only has one season left and you're done with them. Yeah. But LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, haven't had the best health luck the last couple of years. And I don't right. know if that's any getting better for a 37-year-old LeBron James. And one, thing I was, one thing I was, I've never accused LeBron of is his level of commitment. It really seems like his level of commitment to this team for this season and a few other seasons with the Lakers seems very limited compared to what it was in Miami and Cleveland. I think he was committed, but I think when things started going sideways, it's sort of this end of the season became, let me pile up some of my stats more than it was. He knew the season was over. Yeah. But I don't... I, LeBron's not the problem, obviously. I, I don't know what solution there really is for the Lakers. Is there... I mean, is anybody... I think you, you need to see what you can get for Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Well... And some of these other guys, right? I, I don't... I don't have, when was the last time the Lakers tried to rebuild? I mean, the Lakers are not a future-focused franchise yeah. in any in any sense of the word. So they will they will find another, they will find another cast of characters who will take less money if if they can get LeBron to stay there because uh, he makes the final decisions it seems. But if he's interested in staying, they will try to lure a few other veteran guys who are willing to take less money for a chance to play in LA in a great market with the greatest player of his generation. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what they bank on. I think it is. Unfortunately, I think for them, their cap situation is hell on earth. They have no assets. They don't have any picks. Russell Westbrook up. is about to opt into a $47 million contract. Can you imagine? One year, $47 million. And he, and don't he you, doesn't want... Don't he, you go to him and say, don't fucking sign that. Opt out. He's not going to do that. Opt out right now or I'll he's, kick your ass. He's not I'm bigger than that. you. He's not going to do that. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is... He only has one year left in his deal, so maybe it's not the worst, but certainly one of the all-time worst contracts $47 million. Just a, a below-league average player at this point who also can't deal with being called Westbrick. I was going to say, maybe a, one of the... I, I think we've... We, one of the greatest things that, like... Uh, Things that we've neglected here is not making him a loser of the week for that. I know. I, we, we honestly haven't talked enough about it. He doesn't want to be called Westbrick. Thinks it's mean, it, demeaning his name. Give me a fucking break. He has paid 40-some-odd million dollars a year. Yes, you cannot attack, go after people's personal, like personal life or go overboard with what you ever say. Calling somebody Westbrick? It's too easy. You you throw up bricks. He throws Your last bricks? name is Westbrook. Like, how could we not call you Westbrook? Don't throw up so many bricks. It's, if you don't want to be called Westbrook, don't throw up so many bricks. It's really funny, actually. Because it's hysterical. It's, it's like sort of it's like funny because it's sort of lame, but it's also like it's incredibly uh, uh, hilarious that he can't get over it, and he claims that it's ruining his kid's life at school. They call him a kid Westbrook at school or something. It's he like says, this kid's such a small child. There's no way that's really happening. And if it is, that's well, that feel bad for the kid. But like, for I mean, that is that is devastating for a five year old. For Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, the thing is, you have to know there's some level of criticism that's going to come when you make tons of money and you play really badly. Some of that criticism is off limits. If you're saying yelling at people's families in the stands, or you're going out of bounds and saying all kinds of stuff. Should never do that. Calling somebody Westbrook, it Westbrook is a perfectly acceptable level of frustration with a guy who is ruining the team's season yeah. by shooting repeated bricks. And and it seems like a clear case to me of, I'm sure a, a lot of people at his level get the the unacceptable kind of criticism, and I'm sure he is not making that up that he's gotten some of that, but he's pretending like that's the norm. When most of the time, people are just frustrated at his inability to play and the amount of money that he makes. Because Westbrook is totally in balance. It absolutely is. And the funny thing is about it 
is Russell Westbrook spent his career taunting other people, rocking the baby on yeah. them when he made big plays, saying all kinds of nasty about Damian Lillard and Patrick Beverly and all these guys. And and sometimes when this the circle comes around, yeah, it, and so it comes around the bend. Guess what? Everybody's doing to him now. They mock him. You saw Patrick Beverly was making fun of him. Carl Anthony Towns was ducking when he shot. And, <laughs> That's a good. You know, yeah. there was a bunch of people saying there was a bunch of people saying uh, my, my, uh, one of the Bridges, Kale um, Bridges or Miles Bridges, I don't remember which one, gave him a hard time. A bunch of people were giving him a hard time because he gave everybody a hard time when he was at the top. Yeah. So if you are you know doing all kinds of stuff to people, well, guess what's going to happen when the shoe's on the other foot. <laughs> Wise words that we can all learn. A lesson yeah, that we exactly. can all learn. You know, yeah. I mean, if you, you, yeah, sometimes you're the hammer, and sometimes you're the nail, buddy. <laughs> His time as the hammer is over. <laughs> it is pleasant to see when that when that change occurs. I also, I'm dying. I, we'll get off this, but I am dying to see what veteran would be interested in going there. That would be actually can make someone. Of a what coach is going to go there? They think they're going to save the day by firing Frank Vogel. Oh yeah, that'll do the trick. I think their biggest issue is as an Anthony Davis is is their focal point because I I do for the season he got in there he can't stay healthy. Anthony Davis is not capable of staying healthy for a full season. That's just clear. And LeBron James, who knows if he can. LeBron so, James is at least 30 fucking 8. I mean, I, he's old. I do love that these guys, till the bitter end, though, were committed to complete lunacy. Anthony Davis said, what's so tough about the season we never got to see what we could be? They were 11 and 10 oh when they God. were all together. They sucked <laughs> when they were together. Give me a fucking break. We could never see. We never got to see what we could be. We all saw it. Clear as day. You guys stink. You had, you had you had fucking a better team last year, and you lost in the first round of the playoffs. LeBron James is the only guy on that roster that you could get equal or better value for trading wise. Well, Everyone who else, tra- who, who's Anthony Davis? What are the teams? I mean, he's a great player, saying, but where's he going to go? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, no team's going to give them fair trade value or for what they think Anthony Davis is worth. So when was the last that, time Anthony Davis played eighty games? He's. I don't think he ever has. So I don't know. It, it, it's. It is very funny, though, to see the situation that they've made for themselves. Yeah. They they gave up billion picks. And look, they would do it again. We were almost like Chris Sale. We were talking about they won the title. Mm-hmm. So you got to give them that. They won the title. But the last couple seasons have been a disaster. They traded a million picks. The Pelicans are now going to sneak into the playoffs. They're going to get a great pick from the Lakers, which will be in the top 10 this year. While they make the playoffs, with Zion coming back next year... If you had to say, like, who would you rather be, the Pelicans or the Lakers moving forward, I don't really know. I think a lot of people would probably pick the Pelicans. Can you? Can we give a quick shout-out to the, the Pelicans social media team today for tweeting out that that's all, folks. We'll see you in the first round of the play-in the <laughs> yeah. play game. Because uh, uh, when, when AD was leaving there, the final game when the Pelicans were eliminated, he walked off the court when they were, they were trying to catch up with him after the game, after out of the locker room. He was wearing the lat- that's all, folks, to signify uh, that he was on his way out. Pelicans, do not forget, that was like three or four years ago, and they posted it so on their Twitter good. today, that's all, folks. I'll, and I'll say this last thing from a very biased Celtics rose-colored glasses point of view. I really don't know how you see how you see this tenure, this LeBron era tenure, the Lakers as a positive. I know they won a title. I think the whole bubble thing puts a little bit of an asteroid just because the whole thing was bizarre. It wasn't a full season, and I think every other season besides that one season has been kind of a fucking disaster. It has been. They missed the playoffs twice, and they lost in the first round once. Now they won, so it yeah. is a success in that regard, but certainly not what. I think the Lakers or LA fans or LeBron himself must have been. I mean, the guy LeBron wanted to have a a, a parade with 
the fucking Dodgers. Rams. Yeah, with the Rams, that's right. It's like, dude, no. <laughs> you guys won last year. You guys suck currently. We won our fucking title. You guys are not going to involve this. We're not having LeBron James on a fucking rack. Yeah, let's give him a parade as they sit, you know, 10 games under 500, <laughs> getting the ship kicked out of them every night. I, too, would like to be invited. Yeah, to imagine your guy on the Rams practice squad getting your ass kicked all season. And you're like, sorry, man, you can't make the uh, per- you can't make the one of the uh, floats because uh, LeBron and the Lakers got him. You know, the last yeah, that's <laughs> totally cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, make room for Frank Vogel. Yeah, yeah. You guys uh, don't care. We actually uh, the last float, the uh, three saving for the podcast guys are going to be yeah, on that one. So. Live show. We're, we're flying in Jarrett Smith. He's currently not wearing a shirt. He's taking your <laughs> fucking spot on the the, the, the float. Um. Well, hey, I mean, it's great that they're eliminated. Uh, well, it's suddenly the, the the seesaw battle. The even though we we play each other very rarely, the Celtics Lakers seesaw battle for a supremacy of of uh, the hearts and minds of NBA fans is constantly going back, and the pendulum is swinging back in our direction currently, which is very nice. Um, I think that's all we had there. So we'll be right back after this break with this week's toss up. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Toss-Up. We continue our adventure through some of the stranger and more difficult hypotheticals to uh, work out. All right, here we go. Unbeknownst to you guys, this is this week's. All right. You're in a public park, relaxing alone on a bench. person approaches you. They're tall, thin, hairless, middle-aged, not sure what ethnicity they are. They're wearing a monochromatic jumpsuit, all right? So very, nothing stands out about them. Never seen them before. They somehow know your first name. They tell you that they've traveled through time from the distant future and that you should dedicate your life to mathematics because the work you will eventually do will positively change the future of humankind. The person tells you you do not need to pursue any level of higher education or find a mathematical mentor. You just need to devote your entire life to thinking about abstract math in order to ultimately save society. You ask this person to prove that they are from the future. They say they can't do that because any information they give you might have a rippling effect that could alter reality. But they do tell you this. Tomorrow a strange thing will happen to a public official that will serve as proof of my claims. The next day, you learned that the governor of your state was killed and eaten by a bear inside the state capitol. Okay. No one knows how the bear got into the building. Is this enough to convince you to devote your life to thinking about math? <laughs> yes. 100%. You're, just, you're all in, Mark? Yeah. You're just going all in. This math. guy said that you're Massachusetts of, or where No, he didn't say that. He said something strange will happen. Okay, forgive to a me. public official that will serve as proof of his and claims. Then, and, and, and then the governor Jane of Massachusetts. Blue gets eaten by a bear. Forgive Charlie me, sorry. Charlie Baker. Sorry, I don't mean to name names. Forgive me, okay. Yes, has to. I mean, I hate mathematics. I hate almost, it too. Almost as much as John does. I'm, I'm wincing. You guys it. were in remedial math together. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at math. I do I, I do very rudimentary math math as my in my job as a personal trainer, but it's like again, it's very, very rudimentary. What kind of math are you doing? Like, well, there's bar like, math, for example, when you put weights on the on a, on a bar. If you're doing bench press off the top of your head, you gotta know that you put a 25 and 25. That's 95. 30, what if you're using a Bowflex weight set and you put one to 50 <laughs> and one to zero? I, the, with bands, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, okay. That I don't think anyone does. Uh, but no, I mean, obviously, I, I say I, I don't use much math, but I fucking hate math. 
Um, but yeah, if, 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 if an official the next day got eaten by a bear, and this guy the day before told me something crazy would happen to an official, yeah, I would at least attempt. I think it would behoove me to fucking try to learn some arithmetic. It does seem like a lot on the line, too. He says the fate of humanity. I've said enough, John. What, what's your opinion on this? I can't wait to hear this uh, I would probably roll off the park bench the next day after <laughs> Charlie Baker was eaten and, and call the police and say, I know who unleashed the bear. <laughs> it was a person in a monochromatic jumpsuit. Hairless. Hairless. Yeah, how does this guy not stand up, by the way? Of course he stands up. Yeah. It sounds crazy. That's <laughs> a crazy guy. But I can picture him perfectly in my head. It was just a weird thing. I don't know about saving humanity. I, if I could peg that that person from the future at least 100 years in the future based on how they were presenting you can't themselves. You can them anything. Oh, it could be 10 years in the future. Tell me, let's, 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 I mean, things have gone really awry if that's how we're dressing. Sorry, sorry Jack, can I say something? Yeah. Let's be realistic. If this gentleman said that the, the fate of humanity relied on me, then I would ima- immediately think, well, we're fucked. I'd be like, look, uh, the, ocean, the oceans are boiling, the yeah. ice caps are like, melting. I think, yeah, but but you, you don't think, you'd, you or you'd say you'd have to give it the old college try. Of course you fucking have to. But Not I would... Doyle, he's too selfish. He's going to literally just keep doing <laughs> yeah. whatever he fucking wants, I can tell. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I would, I, again, I would call the police and be like, I, I have information about what happened to Charlie Baker. Or whoever the politician. Well, how how can a guy release a bear into a, the state capital? Because I don't know. Just, just make any sense? I'm just saying. So I would you're saying of, you're, you're no. I, I would I would figure out a way if I know myself well enough. I would rationalize not devoting my entire life to abstract math. I would be doing everyone a favor. I would be like this guy from the future doesn't know what he's talking about. Whatever course my mathematical mind is going to set us on is doomed. Well, not that's not what he says. He says it will save humanity. No, see, it's from the future. I don't believe him. It would be tough to believe him, but I'd feel obligated to at least give it a shot. I don't know that I'd have the stamina to keep going forever, but what would, what would be the first course of action? Would you like pick up a, a math textbook? I'd, I'd buy a math book online. I'd, I'd probably buy, buy I'd math buy, for dummies. Start yeah, off I, that. I, would, I would start with math for dummies, and I would try to get myself caught up on. I would math start. Like, I'm not saying I like, would be like Adam Sam. I'd be like Billy Madison. Yeah. I would start at kindergarten. Yeah. Well, I think that. I'd advance past that. I would start at like, you know, seventh or eighth grade. Well, the, I'd probably, start, what I'd the, probably start sixth grade. Yeah. Were well, you going to say you want to see what's new with math? Because I don't know that there's much well, new. Well, I mean, they <laughs> the way, they changed the way they do it now. There's all different kinds of weird stuff. Really? Oh, the, uh, the, yeah. the, obviously, the, the, the same results, like two plus two still equals four, but the way they actually do it out, I don't even understand it. I forget yeah, what they call it, the long, like the, the, the drawn math. Yeah, well, well, I would, I would, is uh, it common core I might math also feel very... Oh, yeah, common core. Gentlemen, I also might feel very discouraged because, like... The the guy doesn't specify how much how much level of math do we need to master. That's the point is that he just that, like you just, just go for it. Just go for it. Yeah, which, I guess is, it, which is difficult life. because I mean, I mean you, you get some incentive. You try to save the fucking planet. Well, that's it. I mean, and you could eventually. It could. It might. Maybe it doesn't have to be that long. Maybe it's only ten years. Maybe maybe you end up saving the planet because you know you're so devoted to math, which you can't learn that you don't. Ruin it. You don't ruin I mean, everybody else. I already pretty much think that the world revolves around me to begin with, so I might as well actually have the world revolve around me because literally the entire fate of the humanity relies on me. It would Maybe be, they're good math podcasts. It would be difficult because it would be hard to imagine in your mind how math could save the world. I hate math. Yeah. I don't like anything about it. I find it to be nerdy. I don't, you know, I have no interest in math. But I'd also be like, what are the chances? It's a coincidence that a bear fucking ate the governor. 
<laughs> it would negatively affect your personal life in so many ways if you it were really doing it. It certainly would. If you were sitting at home reading math textbooks all the time, of course it would. It'd be terrible. Yeah. What if, if Ansley asked me, what are you reading, Jack? It's a math textbook. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I try not to let it ruin my life, but I definitely, like, instead of watching TV or fucking around with video games, I'd be dedicating a few hours at least a day to now, would you reading math. So when I started to devote my life full, my career to health and wellness in terms of being a personal trainer or working at GNC, I knew that's... I got involved in one way or the other. Would you guys change your careers and, like, towards, like, maybe becoming a math teacher or... No, because I'm not good enough at math to do any career. But what I'm saying is... And it sort of says says don't change your stuff, right? Well, it doesn't say that, but it says you don't need any... um, Well, I'm saying you want to put... You want to put yourself in the most advantageous way possible to learn as much math as you can. Does you not need to pursue any higher level of education or find a mathematical mentor? That bit I find a little odd. I would find a mathematical mentor. That's probably how I would. Well, try I guess to they're do saying it. you don't have to be that pocket committed. You can just like do it on your yeah, own. Yeah, you time. can do it on your own time. I guess that's true. But maybe the best way to do it would be to find somebody who's very smart who knows <laughs> a lot about math. It's like, hey, take me under your wing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I can't get out of my head now though is this person coming back from the future. To you know, tell the the future like you know the the savior of humanity about the math thing, and they find Mark on like a thirst trap Thursday. Yeah, shirtless, shirtless, <laughs> flexing in the middle of the Boston Common yeah, on the park like, bench. I think we got the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah. Is this the math guy? Yeah, imagine if you devote like you're like four years into your devotion of math, and life just starts fucking crumbling around you. <laughs> you're like, oh shit, just I'm not getting it done. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Now, yeah, now you're now you're added. The guilt because you fucking, you've cost, now you've so single-handedly destroyed the planet. Is that Mark Kakuza with a C or with a K? Yeah. I think I talked to the wrong guy back there. God. Yeah, so there's some, there's an absolute brilliant math scholar in Italy with that, my, my fucking name, Marcos Kakuza. <laughs> uh, classic. All right, so we got, How'd you say? We got two yeses and a no. I'm curious to see what people think about that, because it would really suck to have to dedicate a lot of time to math. I hate math, but... Also, I feel obligated. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, let's take a quick break. Be back with Loser of the Week. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. If you have any thoughts, questions, or concerns, send them to us on Gmail at saveitforthepodcast365 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for Loser of the Week. Uh, I thought we had a great loser of the week segment last week, diving into all of the fallout from the slap. I think we've had a good, a good bunch of candidates this week. Who wants to start us off? I'll go first. Okay. I guess my loser of the week would be humanity. What about the math thing again? <laughs> Scientists are going to broadcast Earth location to aliens, ignoring the late Stephen Hawking's um, warning to not... Um, that that uh, let other let other uh, life forms, creature, life know, forms that know that you exist. Um, that scientists plan to further their quest to find extraterrestrial life by broadcasting the Earth's location in outer space, along with nude pictures of a human man and woman. The beacon in the Galaxy Project reveals information about our solar system, human DNA, and the Aerosipo radio telescope. Uh, Poor Stephen Hawking. Maybe he's our loser of the week. The poor guy is probably laying in his, uh, turning in his grave right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe he is. 
uh, what the, if I can if I can try to clarify, I think the the Hawking, the famous <laughs> Hawking quote uh, about extraterrestrial life, is that he believed that if you if there was life out there intelligent enough to intercept our signal, the the likelihood of them being so much more advanced than us that it would be dangerous to alert them to our presence would be. Uh, the, like the, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be wise to tell anybody we're just down here firing off radio signals. If you have somebody that far away who can intercept the signal, there has to be extra terrestrial life that is more intelligent than us. I mean, yeah. It doesn't have to be, but there's a good chance. Let's I mean, there's, I I don't know that there is. I don't generally think there is. Are um, you nervous still, about this? Not particularly, <laughs> but I would. I mean, I don't hate the. Um, <laughs> I don't hate the idea of not doing it. John, you think we should have heated? Warning, uh, Steve Hawkins. Warning from eighteen. The guy yeah. was a genius. We're I shaking. Think, his, we're shaking our dick in his face by. I by mean, what does he get to say though? What's his? Why does he? Why does he get to make the rules? He's not fucking governor of the of the world. No, but there's He's not a president of the world. I, so Stephen Hawking said a number of times that he believed that aliens existed somewhere in the universe, and that while he felt that trying to pursue them was important, attempting to contact them, contact them, was not a very good idea. Well, that, for that, what you just said, John. Well said. Yeah, I mean, so probably a conversation for a different, like, this is like a Joe Rogan type <laughs> podcast topic. I think that there's a good chance there's alien life on other on other planets. Whether it's intelligent enough to reach us is, I don't know, mathematically difficult to try to figure out. That would have been a good idea if one of us was the naked man example. <laughs> uh, that would make me really uncomfortable. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, sharing naked photos of me to the outer space is a little crappy. Yeah. Yeah, that would be tough. Now, what, what, you'd be more comfortable with it. Do you think right we now. should have? We, do you think we should? We should have discussed two perfect examples of our what we would have. I assume they're drawings. I don't think it's like <laughs> they got like photos. Like they didn't like lift two naked photos off the internet against somebody's will and say we're sending this to outer space. Yeah, no, of think course it's... not. But all right, humanity is Mark's loser of the week. Great. So maybe Stephen Hawking. The man was a genius and. Which is literally, he, he gave us a fair warning, and we're just totally disregarding This is not unlike the uh, toss-up question. He devoted his whole life to astrophysics, <laughs> and then and he gave us a warning. Exactly. <sighs> Cautionary tale, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> um, I have one, unless you want, do you want to go, Pat? Do you have no, a go ahead, you can go. I, I have one out of the state of Ohio. Um, I have found my new least favorite conservative politician in the political landscape this week, a Senate candidate named Josh Mandel. I don't know if either of you have heard of him. I know him. Yeah, I know him. He sucks. He absolutely sucks. He is one of these, like, pretty much saying it without saying it, that he's like a super racist. He's pro-gun. He just released this ad anyways. Of uh, about uh, why critical race theory should not be taught in schools, and he did so from the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge in Alabama, where MLK famously like had his uh, peaceful civil rights march, and in the in the minute long advertisement of for his Senate run, he says Martin Luther King uh, walked across this bridge. So that people's color wouldn't matter, and then he has like a montage of all these photos of him and uh, his military service. And one of the photos of him is him with five other black marines while he was overseas. And it came to light that 
the photo just looks all messed up. And it looks like he has photoshopped his head onto a black soldier's body so that he could be, like, he could look like he has, like, you know, he's culturally sensitive. Oh, God. Um, and this isn't an ad that his ad swears that um, color doesn't matter. So Snopes looked into this, and while the photo is of, of Mandel, the reason it looks so strange is his ad campaign team artificially darkened the photo to make the other soldiers look darker. Oh, and my God. So they got his hands here. Can you see Mandel's oh. hands are uh, the wrong color there? And then uh, they, what they showed is the real photo where everybody's face is like... More, so they used a filter, essentially, to make it look different. And uh, for a guy that says that color doesn't matter, using a darkening filter Jeez. on oh. your ad campaign photos... Jeez. Not great. He also... This is, a, this is a gentleman that also told Martin Luther King's uh, daughter that she doesn't understand her father's... Uh, the history of her father's career the same way that he does, especially when it came to gun control... Uh, this is incredibly fucking idiotic considering Martin Luther King was killed, assassinated with a firearm. Yes. Uh, but these are the kind of people that are fucking running for office in this country right now. Um, I wish I lived in one of these crummy states so I could rail against <laughs> these folks. Because I'm sure this is not even the most offensive campaign being run right now. It's just the one that caught my attention on Twitter this week, so I started looking into him. What an absolute piece of garbage. Yeah. In a state that really matters, by the way, in Ohio. So, Josh Mandel, loser of the week, endorsed by Ted Cruz, a... The cruiser! The cruise missile himself. The cruise. A a, a former loser of the week. A multi-time. Yeah. You know, these guys crop up supporting each other all the time, so don't be surprised if Josh Mandel is, is mentioned in future episodes. Loser, man. What a freaking loser. Um, mine is a little more lighthearted, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's certainly a loser. Um, John would be familiar with it, but there's a new movie, I don't know if you are, Mark, there's a new movie out called Morbius. It's a, um, it's a Marvel movie starring Jared Leto, uh, who plays Michael Morbius, who is a fictional character that is like search, he's, he's, he's a doctor who's works with patients to get very ill. He himself is quite ill and is searching for this cure to try to, you know, fix himself but also save others. And he starts out with the good intentions and uh, the cure winds up being not so good and turns him into a vampire. That's a very straightforward thing. But Jared Leto is playing the character and the movie has horrible reviews. It's been absolutely panned and destroyed it sounds like it's an awful awful movie which is in line with what to expect from jared leto these days most everything he does is poor um but i was reading an interview done with the director of the movie and it was sort of like the writer's premise i really like this director i don't know what happened with this movie and he was kind of getting into it but this anecdote came out from the movie as i mentioned michael morbius is very ill in the movie the character jared leto is playing so he hobbles around he uses a walker or like um, the arm things that go on you crutches or yeah, like or something, a, yeah. the type thing, mm-hmm. and he and he really doesn't move well. The writer posits this question to the director. I had a story about filming. And I want to see if this is true. Someone told me that Jared Leto was so committed to playing Michael Morbius that even when he had to go to the bathroom, he would use crutches 
and slowly limped to the get to the bathroom. But it was taking so long between for pee breaks that a deal was made with him to get him a wheelchair so someone could wheel him there and back quicker. He agreed to that. I guess it was taking 45 minutes every time he tried to use the bathroom or go anywhere. So it was dragging out the filming so long and they had to then get him to agree to be wheeled. A perfectly capable, healthy man had to be wheeled around because he is so committed to playing his comic book movie character. I'll go back to when John made that, uh, I forget the actor's name, who just recently Paul played Dana Joker. Was the he, did, he, Riddler, did the, yeah. he did the whole um, character acting or whatever it is. It's John's correct. It's like when you use Jack Nicholson as the example from Joker in 1986, who in his contract, he got to go to the La- go to the Lakers game. He was going to miss the Lakers games. It's like, you're an actor. This is your job, okay? Be fucking professional. Don't be a fucking hindrance on the set. Because you, it's because it's your art. Oh, so you're yeah. getting paid twenty million fucking dollars. Make it easy for the, the the fucking set that you have to work with. I, I don't I don't care how what somebody's method is. Do whatever you want. Daniel Day Lewis did weird, like he wouldn't wear a thick jacket on the set of Gangs of New York or whatever. I don't care. But when you reach the level where you're dragging everybody into the mud because you need to use a walker, even though you're perfectly healthy. You're just faking it to try to get into the character. How, how does that get you in his how, mind? How surreal is your life as someone that's helping Jared Letter or who was on that set every day coming home thinking, like, hey, okay, your significant other's like, hey, hey, babe, how was your uh, day? <laughs> I got to tell you, the amount of times, if I could get a nickel for every time I had to drag Jared Letter to the fucking porta potty. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> He's playing a character called the living vampire. So was he going home? When was he in Mobius mode? Was he sucking anybody's blood? <laughs> Well, I didn't eat any meals this whole time. I was drinking blood. That, so that was what he would be doing. I so assume think about he, I, that. I assume he's actively trying to change his sleeping pattern to be more like a fucking vampire. I mean, you would not. You can't put it past him. He must be sleeping in a bin or something, a casket somewhere. Oh, if, no if, if you were the director, yeah. you would say, that's fine, Jared. I understand your method. So how about this? He was so sick. I'm sure at some point he said had a catheter. We'll install a fucking catheter for you for your pee breaks, and you can figure out how to change the bag yourself after we finish. Well, I would just say, can you pretend to be Morbius at this point? Fly to the bathroom. You know that guy has superhuman speed, so you (laughs) zip off. How about that? Yeah, when do you acquire these powers? Yeah, like I assume we're only enough in the movie. Can you play him now? You get in his mind, and then that's a yes. Next thing you know, he bites you. Yeah, (laughs) it's like great. Well, I think that we've, we've mentioned him on the the cast maybe before uh, when all that... I think we were doing the cast long ago, for no, long ago now where the stuff about him on the Suicide Squad stuff came out and he was doing similar stuff to Will Smith and the other actors. He like uh, sent one of the co-stars, I believe it was Will Smith, who has obviously had a bad year this year, uh, like a dead rat in a, in a, in a gift box because <laughs> yeah, so he was playing the Joker or something. Yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall of that, you know... Pre-read, you know, with that long table. And that, I mean, that's. I mean, it's as ridiculous as anything. I mean, it's like the the Suicide Squad thing is even funnier to me because that was kind of a laugher, anyways. You have all these big stars on set; their families are there. You got this madman running around like he's the fucking sending dead rats. Yeah, sending dead rats to people's trailers, being accosted by these other A-list celebrities. Like, dude, stop! And now he's doing it again. I mean. Daniel Day Lewis only he he I, I'm sure that he can be a pain in the butt to work with, but at least it's on good movies, 
If you're playing a living vampire, you can probably mail in the method actor. <laughs> yeah. That's he's, a great part. That's it. It's a goofball movie. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis, when he does these things, right, He the movies receive overwhelming rave reviews. Even Paul Dano, his performance of the Riddler was a smash yeah. hit. Yeah, well, let's give it to Heath Ledger, too, I guess. Yeah, right? there yeah. you go. He, uh, you, the reviews of this Mobius movie are the worst reviews you'll ever see. I mean, the, the over... What has it got on Rotten Tomatoes? It's got 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know how hard it is to do that bad? With a that's going to make that's gonna make Jared Leto a borderline Hollywood a hireable, right? You would hope. You would hope he's done. As somebody tweeted out that he was the Daniel Day-Lewis of unwatchable movies. <laughs> which is a perfect way to, to put it. it. Yeah, it is. He, he envisions himself as some great actor. And he's not. But he also ruins everything for everybody else. So that's great. You figure when you sign up for one of these superhero movies, it's kind of a goof time. It's easy, right? It's you know, it's, it's, it's an easy payday. They'll be fun. It's CGI to, is, takes over most of it's it. It's hard to fuck them up. Most of the Marvel movies get absolutely smashed reviews. Pretty, it's like very difficult for them to be terrible. Yeah. And this guy touches it. <laughs> one of the reviews said, Here's Jared Leto, ditched from the DC Extended Universe's hammy take on the Joker. Starring in this first solo movie from Marvel. It's the dullest film to ever carry that logo. Just plain miserable to sit through, offering almost nothing pleasurable, either ironically or unironically. I mean, it's just brutal. I'd rather see a flaming disaster from a team of passionate creatives than a sanitized jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> I mean, boy, they're really, like most April Fool's Day jokes, Morbius is not actually funny. It's not bad in the haha. You have to see this so ridiculous kind of way. It's just bad. <laughs> I mean, the real loser of the week here, in my opinion, is the MCU, because Sony has control of Spider-Man, who's like one of their biggest assets. They need him in their movies, and there's this whole contractual problem where he belongs to Sony Studios, so Sony has to produce these Spider-Man-related films, and they swing and miss on them all the time. Yeah, which sucks because. If the if Sp- the character of Spider Man has no villains worth fighting because Sony has botched all the movies, it's ruining this whole massive, you know, uh, franchise that has been built by Kevin Feige and the MCU. Yeah. I mean, I pull my hair out. If you're Kevin Feige, and you watch Morbius, and you're like, "How's Morbius coming along? How's Jared doing on set? I heard some unsettling things. <laughs> Can you get him to fucking lock it up, man?" Yeah. Well, at least he, I was hoping he didn't mail any rats, dead rats, this time around. Yeah, seriously. Well, we could not do much worse. I, I want to say this, too, about that, though. Because the, the, the Daniel Day-Lewis, Heath Ledger, these other great actors, the method acting stuff typically comes out after the movie is well-reviewed. It's like, this guy really gets into it. Yeah, the Revenant with Leo and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. And then like you become famous as one of these guys. For him to be, this to be leaked out after the movie tanks... He must be so insufferable. <laughs> Bad people must be. Can you imagine, man, at any job you're at and you're like, this guy, we got to wheel him to the bathroom. He's faking it. But we have to do it because that's what he says he needs. Because you got to imagine that people in the know on the crew are like, this is not going to be a great film. <laughs> Well, I'm sure, look, he's a bad actor. I think that that's it. It boils down to it. We, we talk about they are just actors. We've all seen plenty of movies. When you watch it and a guy is just, it's pretty obvious when somebody's a bad actor. He is a bad actor. He had one decent role. Dallas Buyers Club. That's it. Everything else he's in, he's terrible. He was okay in um, the one movie with the heroin. Um, That's Dallas Buyers Club. That's Dallas Buyers Club. No, 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 not the Dallas Buyers Club. The, um, sorry, the movie when um, 
Yeah. He loses his arm. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. The movie with Marlon Wayans back in 1998. Requiem for a Dream. He was pretty good. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, you're right. He was. That was a messed up movie. Yeah. But he it, was fine in that. I mean, it wasn't really much of a reach for him as a character. Uh, as, yeah, well, who knows? We're lucky he didn't lop his arm off of that one. <laughs> he was okay when he, got his, when he got chopped up into a million pieces on... Um, American Psycho with uh, <laughs> another one of our famous character um, <laughs> method Bale. actors. I yeah. call him character actor. Method actors, Christian Bale, uh, the second most famous ca- uh, method actor besides <laughs> what's his face, um, Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, well, that's it for loser of the week. Uh, what's up for this week? What do we got going on? Anything people are watching closely? It's my uh, Larry Bird birthday this yeah, Friday. Yeah, it's right. Your birthday, buddy. I'm sorry I won't be here for No worries. It. I know you'll be there in spirit. That's all yep. that matters. We'll do something we'll, next we'll, week. We'll be celebrating a few weeks from now when we're in Fort Lauderdale. So yep, that's right. That's hopefully we'll, we'll be going to the Sox opening home game. There is that, yeah. If weather allows. Yeah, Which next we week. discussed earlier. So That'll be great. I'm looking forward to uh, a full slate of baseball games. Uh, the opening day is tomorrow, and there's a full slate of games on Friday starting at 1. They, they do the thing that they should do all the time where they stagger the starts. Baseball day. Uh, Love that. Even though the Sox aren't playing, it'll be fun to get back into the regular season and see who uh, looks look at, looks entertaining. So I'm looking forward to watching some of that. Yeah, me too. Um, two huge Celtics games. We've got the Bulls tonight on Wednesday, Bucks on Thursday. That'll really tell us the tale of where they're going to wind up. Mm-hmm. So we're keeping a close eye on both of those. Very fun UFC card if you're looking for anything to do with the tournament over this weekend. Two title fights on uh, Saturday. Did you guys give your selection for the Masters, who you are winning? Oh, no. Do you want to give our picks? I, I think Cameron Smith's going to win. I'm going to go with Spieth. Who do you got? I'll Tiger? go Rory. Plus Rory? 2,000. Okay. I like that. I'm hoping Paul Casey wins, so that's my almost. Um, no, uh, Freddie, forgive me, Freddie Couples. Freddie Couples. <laughs> I want Freddie Couples making the cut. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, well, have a great weekend, everybody. Until next week, save it for the podcast.